Father, we thank you for your great many promises. Um, Lord, you didn't promise that we'd get all of our wants, but you did promise that you'd give us exactly what we need. And that was found in Jesus. Uh, Lord, you have given us now the word which speaks to us about him, that we would not just learn about him, but that we would believe in him and that in believing in him, uh, we might also have eternal life and that you would continue to grow us now in our relationship. And so, Lord, we pray that we would sit at your feet at this time and listen to your word, Lord, that we may grow in our faith and no matter where we are today, that we would grow. We pray that you would give us understanding by your Holy Spirit, the only way that we can understand. Lord, I pray that you would take control of my mind and my heart and my lips to only say what you have ordained for this morning. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. If you have your Bible, please turn to Second Peter. Second Peter. We just started Second Peter after we did First Peter. And uh, if you don't have a Bible and need a Bible, we have Bibles available for you on the table here on the side or in the table in the back. And you're welcome to grab one of those. Keep one of those. Write your name on it. You, that's your new Bible. You get to have it. And uh, we encourage you to read it uh, because as we continue to read these scriptures, one of the great promises of God is that he will begin to grow you and grow your understanding of him, your knowledge of him and your faith in him. And I've heard uh, from some, even in this congregation, who just say, now, I'm a simple Johnson County person and I can't understand everything in the Bible. So I just don't read it. I let the guy in the front tell me what it says. And I got to tell you this morning that that's hogwash. You use hogwash here, right? Hogwash. Uh, My dad used hogwash because it means that's not true. And the reason I know that's not true is because the fact that we're reading from Second Peter, because if we look at Peter and his story, his life, we saw last week how he was a, a, a plain old fisherman. Just like some here in Johnson County are farmers, he was uneducated, he didn't he didn't know the scriptures, he hadn't gotten into scripture school, he hadn't gone to Christian school. And so he was just a plain old dude until that day Jesus came by and said, I'm going to make you into a fisher of men. And he walked with him for three years. And then after Jesus ascended, the Holy Spirit came into Peter on the day of Pentecost. His very first sermon, this simple fisherman converted 3000 people by the power of the gospel. And I got to tell you, that fisherman who preached that word goes on and writes books like Second Peter. I'm just going to tell you this morning that for a guy who grew up in the Christian church grew up going to christian school went off to bible college has been a pastor now for what 15 plus years i have a hard time understanding second peter chapter one but that doesn't mean i can't that doesn't mean none of us can we got to take this bit by bit we're gonna we're gonna chew it bit by bit and the more we go the more we become like a peter who are simple but the lord is growing us we're getting to know jesus better just take it slow friend So instead of us just making excuses and calling it hogwash, let's go to the word together and see what the Lord wants to teach us this morning. We're just going to look at some simple verses this morning, just a couple verses. They're not so simple. The Lord's going to break it down for us this morning. But let's look at that. Uh, Second Peter, chapter one, we're starting in verse three. Verse three says his divine power, that's God's divine power, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now, we know these words, life and godliness. Life is the same exact word that's used in the most famous scripture in all the Bible. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have 
everlasting life. It's the same word that we know life. We know that from the scriptures, life is not contained with just this life on earth, but that through Jesus, he is given the opportunity to have life for eternity. That's the life that he's talking about here. And then it uses the word godliness. Now, there's lots of definitions of of godliness, but but here's the, the, the great definition is how you worship God. So we have life, but also how you worship God. But when I say worship God, some of the first images that come to our mind, is, what do you mean? How I sing the hymn at church? Well, that's part of it. Well, do you mean um, how, how I sing in the choir? Well, that, that could be part of it. A lot of time we think worship is just being singing. But what God means is how you live your life for God. So you have this life. And then also, how are you living as a life of worship? And for some of us, when we come to faith, we're like, now I'm really going to live. And now I'm really going to live my life for God. And the scripture just said there that you can't do any of it without God. And yet you will struggle and you will attempt and you will try to worship God, live for God and have life apart from God. But that said, you can't do it. This says by his divine power, by everything that God has in all of his power, that he has granted to us how much just a part of it. No, all things that pertain to life and godliness, living out a life of worship. So, friend, if you want to live and live a life that that is pleasing to God, there is no way to do it except by the power that God gives you. You may be saying at this point in your mind, that sounds like God does everything. Yes, yes, he does when you become a christian what you did was you laid down your life you you die to yourself and you say i'm no longer living for myself it's not about me and i can't do it by my own power but god comes and he lives inside of me and it's all him working through me at the moment we take those reins back it's no longer living as a christian it's living like a heathen again but everything that pertains it says to life and godliness has to be done by the power of god and nobody would know this as well as peter I want to go back and read a part of a story from Peter. One of the first instances we have of him after the Holy Spirit has come. He's empowering Peter now to preach. But also in Acts chapter three, it says that Peter and John were walking into the temple one day to go to prayer. They're doing something very religious. They were going to pray to Jesus. So while they're going to the temple, they're going through this gate that's called beautiful. And there's a beggar who cannot walk, who's been sitting there day after day after day after day after day. And so as Peter and John go by, there he is begging of Peter and John. And it says that Peter stops to him and he he asks the man to look at him. And so the man looks at Peter expecting to get some kind of money. He was expecting the piety of Peter to come out for him to reach into his pocket and to give him gold or silver. And Peter says to him, gold or silver, I don't have. But what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Get up and walk. And it says that Peter took him by the right hand and that the blind, excuse me, the the, the lame beggar got up on his feet and didn't just kind of stumble around. It says that he got up and began to rejoice and he began to almost dance. And he went for the first time in his life into the temple through the beautiful gate. And while he's in the midst of the temple, he's praising God and he's jumping around. And everybody who had seen that beggar every day at the gate is like, what happened that's the same guy that's the same dude we saw every day at the at the gate begging what happened and so they start to gather around because this time this 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 lame beggar is now grabbing on 
to the legs of Peter. And they come to see what has happened. And so Peter begins to explain. This is what I want to what I want to address this morning. Peter says in Acts chapter three, verse 12. And when Peter saw it, that's all the people gathering to him. He addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety? That word right there is the same word godliness that we saw in Second Peter. Why do you think by our own power or piety, our own godliness, that we've made him to walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate. When he had decided to release him, but you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead to this were witnesses and his name by faith in his name. That's Jesus name. He has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given this perfect health. In the presence of you all. See, Peter, when everybody came running, Peter didn't say, well, yeah, I said the right words. Peter didn't say, well, I had an incredible devotional this morning and it just kind of carried over. And by what I did, I grabbed the man's right hand and I did that. No, when the Peter people came running, they said, how did that happen? Peter knew that everything had been granted by the divine power in order for him to show life and godliness to the blind or to the, to the lame beggar. It wasn't Peter. Peter said, this is not me at all. I'm just a vessel. I'm a conduit. If you want to know where life comes from, if you want to know where forgiveness comes from, if you want to know where healing and forgiveness, it is all through Jesus. That's it. Peter's life was about Jesus and he was fishing men. And so in Second Peter, he gives and he says that it's it's all been granted to us. It's all all things that pertain to life and godliness. That's that's from from God. And you know what? It's the same for us. I don't know how many of us have gone and, and, and seen a, 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 a lame beggar healed like that. But but oftentimes we see other instances where we begin to rely on ourselves for godliness and for life. I was talking to a guy recently. He had been struggling most of his life with a habitual sin. Just constant, constant, constant. Nobody knows. And then. The Lord broke him free, had given him healing, and he was, he was free of that thing. And it, the dude had gone for like a year and a half, just totally in freedom. And then one day he had a momentary lapse, just crushed the dude. And as he reflected on what had happened after that, that year and a half of, of, of victory, he, but then there was that momentary struggle, and it was like, well, what, what, what happened? And he realized that he had... He had even though been healed by God and that the Lord was restoring him and, and working something new in him, that when he looked back at the year and a half, he had been taking all the credit himself. That he had said, well, I did that year and a half. It was me. And once he got to that place of saying, well, I'm the one doing this, that's when the struggle hit. It had gone from all things in God to being all things about that man. And so Peter is knowing this and he's saying, hey, this is all from God. And he goes on and says that this is, through the knowledge, again, this is Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence or, or virtue or goodness there, by which he has granted to us his very precious and very great promises, 
so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Did you get all that? I'm telling you, Peter is up here, man. He should have a doctorate in this stuff because what he's saying there is, 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 is very important. But there's a lot of big words in there. But when you look at it and you break it down, look at what he said again in verse four. He said he's granted to us his precious and very great promises. So let's just look at that real good. First uh, John chapter two, verse twenty five says this. What is God's promise? Eternal life. If you rewind the tape back into the beginning of the scriptures, he approached a man named Abraham. He said, Abraham, I'm making you a promise. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless other nations through you. I'm going to give you a people that can't be numbered. I'm going to give you land. He made promises to Abraham. All those things could be seen to be fulfilled on a very human level, an earthly level. But God had something more than that. It wasn't about uh, a plot of dirt over in the Middle East. It wasn't about uh, a, a nation that we call the Jews. It wasn't about um, Abram, him being the one that would bless. It was all about Jesus. That Jesus would be the one through all be blessed. That through Jesus, there would be a people. And that through Jesus, one day we would have a promised land, the book of Hebrews tells us. And so those were the very great promises that were made to Abraham and to everybody who was in Abram's offspring through jesus christ those are the great promises he promises just like the song that was sung that when when you're broken he will heal you and and the scripture actually says that at times he's the one who breaks you but he does that in order to bring you out of your sin and he does that in order to restore you to a place of better health and so that you'll continue to stay away from what's worldly and from your flesh these are that's a promise. It's a hard promise, but it's just like a dad or a mom on Mother's Day saying, child, I love you so much that I'm going to discipline you. That's a promise. And so God does that. These are great promises, because in that promise, you know that he's batting a thousand. He's always going to come through and he's not going to let you down. He's going to bring you into that eternal life that he promised in and through Jesus Christ. And so that's the promise that he's talking about. And then it said here, if we break it down some more, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Now, let's not mess this one up because it'd be easy to misconstrue that and say that we become partakers of the divine nature and somehow think that means that we will become God. Let's not be confused by that. We will never, ever be God. There is one creator and the rest is creation. We happen to be his creatures. God never, ever promised that in any instance we would become from creatures into creator, that we would go from being um, what is finite into being infinite. What he did promise is that he would take sinners and make them saints. What he did promise was that when he took these saints and he bound them together, that they would be the house of God and that we're becoming divine partakers, uh, partakers of the divine nature. It's not that we become gods, but being the house of God, he now dwells in us. We have the Holy Spirit who lives in us. We have the Holy Spirit who empowers us. We have the Holy Spirit who who helps overshadow us. That's what it means. We get to dip in. And we get to house house God by our lives. And finally, he says, having escaped from the corruption 
or that means also destruction or being killed. So to, be, to actually, who, who would like to escape that? I got like three hands. What's going on? Who would like to, descri- to escape destruction and corruption and being killed? I don't know about you, but I want some of that. I think all of us, when we said, Lord, save me, we are saying, I don't want to be corrupt. I don't want to be destroyed. I don't want to be killed. And the only thing I keep doing it every day, every day, every day. And all I find is that I'm empty. All I find is that I'm in sin and there's no way out of this mess. There's all the promises that come from the world. Every blog that I see, every magazine article, every television talk show host, they are saying I could do it. All I'm finding is corruption. All I'm finding is emptiness. How do I escape? How do I escape this corruption? Raise your hand that I want out of that. It says that it's in the world because of the sinful desire. We keep desiring and desiring and desiring. How do we get out of that? Jesus. It says when we were still enemies, Christ died for us. He, he looked at us and said, here's the people who don't even know how to help themselves. And they continue to rebel against me. They're my enemies. But gosh, I love them. And so Jesus took on flesh. We can't become gods, but God became human. And even though he was in the world, he never, ever sinned. And so he didn't have to die for himself. You know, who he needed to die for you because you were corrupted. You were going to die. He loved you too much. And so Jesus Christ went to your cross and he he took you off there and he put himself on there to die in your place. And when he took you off of there. At the moment you believe and you say, Lord, please forgive me. And he took all your sins. He also gave to you all of his life. We talked about that last week, that he extended to you his grace. Grace is something you don't deserve, but you get it because it's a gift. You didn't work for it. You weren't pretty enough. You weren't you weren't hardworking enough. You weren't born in the right family. You weren't born in the right country. You didn't go to the right church. It was nothing that you did. Grace was a gift whereby God looked at you and said, you're pitiful, but I love you. Here's life. Here's cleanliness. Here's, here's forgiveness. Here's my love. Here's my Holy Spirit. I'm giving it all to you. Everything that pertains to life and godliness was given by the divine power According to the promises of God. In order to make you be able to to be a partaker in the divine nature that the Holy Spirit would live in you, because without that, you are just corrupt and you will die because of the desires of your flesh. That's what Peter just said, pretty simple, right? And we will we will look at these passages All of eternity, there may come a time when we understand every one of those words and every one of those phrases, but you know what's going to flip us out? His love is so overwhelming. We didn't deserve any of it. We may look at this room and we you may say to yourself, I don't deserve you don't you don't know the stuff that I've done, Pastor. I mean, I I can't even come to you, Pastor, and tell you all my list because I'm I'm ashamed of it. I don't deserve God's forgiveness. But I can look around this room and I bet he deserves it and she deserves it because, man, they've been teaching and they've been living. And you know what? None of us do. If you think you're alone in that boat, you're not. None of us deserve it. We all have a past. We're all probably writing more of that past today. We're just good at sinning. Oh, but the Lord is so good. At the moment we say, I I don't deserve anything, but Lord, I don't want to die. I don't want to be corrupted. Actually, I 
now that you keep talking to me, I see that you're pretty beautiful. You're so great and you're so loving. I would, I would love to be in a relationship with you. And the, the Lord says, well, good, because I made a way for that to be possible. And Jesus Christ was sent in order for you to have a relationship with God for eternity. The eternity that he promised. And so today, if you find yourself, you just think, oh man, I'm not good enough for God. It's true, none of us are. But man, he is good enough for you. He is good enough to overcome your sin. He is good enough to help you with that thing that day after day after day, you've just been beating your head trying to be good enough and pious enough and churchy enough. Don't do that anymore. I love that at one point in the scripture, Paul says, well, what is godliness? And then he just goes on and gives a description of Jesus. If you want to be godly, just say, Jesus, come and live in me. Come and take my life. And then let God be God. Partake of his life and his godliness. And when people say, what in the world God holds you? Just like Peter with that beggar grabbing his ankles to say, it's not me. It's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of our fathers. And you know what? He healed me. The Lord has done this. And after a year and a half, don't get in yourself to think that it was you. It's still Jesus. This morning, if you want to call on the name of the Lord, maybe, maybe you've never called on the name of the Lord, and today's your day. You've just, the Lord's just opening up your eyes, and today you just say, Lord, I need your forgiveness. It's not just that I don't want to die. I see that you're something to desire, and I, I want to live with you for forever. So come to the Lord today. Don't put that off anymore. Don't think Mama's going to go home. You're going to have a good dinner, and it's, it's all going to be all right just because you got a Mama. You need a God. You need a Savior. And your mom has been working to get you to Jesus. And it'll change everything. It'll change the way you think, the way you feel, the way your body acts. Make today that day. And if, if you are a believer, but you've been sliding, you've been arrogant, you've been, uh, you've been, uh, you, you've been lazy, and come back today. Come back today. You know when you get to Mother's Day and you're like, of course I should bring flowers. If you're a Christian and you hear the gospel, then it's the same type of thing. Then, of course, I should give my heart to Jesus again and not walk out the door and miss the day. You wouldn't do that to your mom. Don't do that to God either. So if the Lord's talking to you today, just say, of course, the greatest thing I could do is just come and give my life.